0: You are listening to Freedom Church STL. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit freedomchurchstl.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy this message. I have to be honest with you. I struggle when I hear Christians say things like this, and I have to be honest with you, it's come out of my own mouth. So I'm saying this about myself. I struggle when we act like we don't know what to do or how to be as if Jesus just left us little breadcrumbs in the forest far apart and maybe we will find them and maybe we will just follow after. If we could just find, man, I don't know where to look. I don't know where the next breadcrumb is. The reality of it is, is he gives us patterns over and over and over and over. Straightforward, black and white, practical patterns that says, this is the way you should go. And so part of this today, I want to make sure that we do this, is not only as we are kind of going before God with ourselves personally and going, God, ch- test me, see if there's anything in me that, is, that, that, that you would despise and I need to repent of to make sure my heart is right. God, I want, to, I want to remember you because I know there was a price paid. So that's that personal level, that's that receiving here. But God, I also want to make sure, am I doing this and also remembering the patterns that he set before me and am I walking in them? And so today I want to just grab a hold of a pattern that Jesus laid forward out for us and laid out for us so clearly that I think it is, a, it is a struggle for you, it is a struggle for me, and I think this is one of those questions on, uh, on, on it's a how-to pattern. Like it's, it's a, well, how do I? Well, and he's going to answer that, how do I end this thing? If I were to ask you this question before we jump into this, I'm just curious, how many of you would like to be a part of what God is doing in the earth? Just by the raising of your hands. You would say, you know what, Pastor Chris, I want to be a part of the things that God is doing. I want to be a part of those situations where I look back and I just go, man, look what God did. Like, how many of you would say, I want to be a part of that? Raise your, no, raise your hand real high. Okay, because you can see through ceilings. Okay. So my next question is this, and I need you to be very transparent with me and very honest with me. How many of you, when you look back on the last week and you look back on the last month, are there moments where you see stretches of time where it feels like I I didn't see myself, not that you were in some moral sin, not that you were off back dabbling in something of your past, but you just, it didn't seem like you were doing the things or being a part of the very things where you had those stories of, man, look what God did. Like I, 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 and again, this, this isn't a kick in the teeth. Let me, let me be the first one to raise my hand. I'll, I'll raise my hand. Because I look back at my life, I can look back at weeks of my life and I can go from Sunday to Sunday and yes, I was a good father during those weeks. I, I provided for the family. I did some chores, right? I vacuumed 17 times, right? I did all of those things during the week from Sunday to Sunday. I accomplished all those things. In fact, I, I prepared for my message, right? I, I prepared, I, I reached out to you guys. I, I had interactions with the people of the church like I did the very things that, that, were, that I was supposed to be doing but yet when I look back on the week, I go, man, but there wasn't kind of a moment where I kind of find myself, I found myself going, man, look at you, look what you did there. Look what you allowed me to be a part of. Like it was just kind of what I would call a normal week. I was just going and from one Sunday, if the next Sunday was the destination, I just went from that Sunday, did the things I was just supposed to do, and then I got to this Sunday, but the stories going backwards were kind of normal. How many of you have ever experienced that? Okay, good. I would expect that that's a normal pattern. But the reality of it is, is I truly believe that wherever God places you and whatever God is, if you are walking this earth, if you are still above ground on this planet, then wherever you go, the ministry of the church and the ministry of God goes where you are. So, then the question is, is is God, how, how do I get to be a part of those things? How do I get to be a part of those situations that seemingly where you just kind of do your thing and I get to just sit back and revel? I want my life. I want my life to have that kind of a testimony. I, want, I don't want to be a day without that, but how does that practically happen? Because I can preach this message and I could just sit here and go, go do that, guys. You want to be a part of it? Yeah, me too. Let's all cheer and sing another song and we'll go, yeah, God is awesome. But the how? How do we do it? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let's go to, let's go to Luke. Let's go to Luke chapter chapter 10. Okay? Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Simple question. How do I get to be a part of the things God is doing? Simple answer. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. And how many of you know this story before we even go there? Huh? Raise your hand. We will judge you. It says this, on one occasion, an expert of the law, and I'm starting in verse 25, and this is a parable that te- Jesus is going to teach. And now, let me just say this going into this. There's some truths in this parable that, that I could dig out, that we could spend some time on, but there's an overreaching theme of this, and we'll, we'll get to that, okay? So we're not going to spend too much time digging out some of the truths in this, and you'll see what I'm saying when we get there. Verse 25, he says this, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up uh, to test Jesus, which is always a great idea, right? It's always a great idea. I don't know if they've learned this by now, but I don't know if they've not been there when their friends have tried this. It's never gone well for them, right? It's never gone well. I, you know what? I'm gonna test him. Oh, I don't know if you were here last week. That did not go well. He was like vipers and all this other stuff. It's just Let's just stay quiet, all right? And he says this, teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit to eternal life? Great question. And he says, and then Jesus answered, what is written in the law? And he replied, uh, well, how, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, he says, yeah, yep, you did it. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will what? Do this, and you will live, right? And then all of a sudden, we get down to verse Twenty-nine, but I love this. He, the, the The teacher of the law wanted to justify himself. Actually, he didn't want to justify himself. He was looking for an out. Right? He was looking for like some parentheses to that statement. What does this look like? Let's bracket this a little bit because now when you say neighbor, that's a, that's a huge, vast uh, uh, experience because is my next door neighbor my neighbor? But is the next house down my neighbor technically? But is the next house down? What about the houses down the street? Because if I just keep drawing a line, technically they are all my neighbors. So where does it stop? he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So where does this stop? And then Jesus brings up this parable, and he says this, in reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. It's a bad day, right? Jericho's a rough place, right? When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, right? They beat him, and and they went away, leaving him half dead. Now here, I want you to see this, okay? Because I, I... I've heard this passage taught so many times where we kick the two guys prior to the Samaritan in the teeth. But I'll be honest with you, I find myself being way more attached to these two guys first than the Samaritan afterwards. And it says this, and he says, they stripped him and they left him half dead. Now, verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, let's just stop there. The priest had somewhere to be. He's a priest. He's got to go do priestly things, right? Are priestly things bad? No. In fact, in the community, where he was going would have been looked at in high regard, right? Meaning where he was going. His destination was not a destination of sin. It's where he was supposed to be. He was going to where he was supposed to be. He was going to work, man. Right? And so he passes by on the other side. Now a Levite, right? Now a Levite, same context. A Levite, when he came to the place that he saw him, he passes by on the other side. Well, the Levite, well, he's going. He's going to a place where he's supposed to be. Nowhere in this context does Jesus say these two guys headed to sin, decided to pass this guy by and just keep on walking into their life of sin. No, they were walking through the destination that seemed right to them. Are you following me on this? Right? We always kick these guys in the teeth because it's easy. That's called self-righteousness. Right? Because we always want to identify with the Samaritan and always throw the priest and the Levite under the bus. The reality of it is, is I find myself identifying more so with them because I've got somewhere to go. And where I'm going is not a bad place. The thing that I'm called to do or where I'm headed is not a bad place where I'm going. It is just my destination. But here's the thing. And we see this beautiful thing. And I'm only going to spend a little bit of time and then we're going to jump into this meat of this, okay? Verse 33, and we know this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day, out, uh, he took out some money, gave it to the innkeeper, and said, look after him. If it costs too much, don't worry, I'll be back. I'll cover it myself, Okay. And then Jesus asked, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands? And the expert of the law said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So first of all, there's a practical thing. And listen, greater men, greater women than me have taught on this passage. But let's just break down three things that we see that the Samaritan did here. But then let's grab the pattern that I think is the overriding pattern that Jesus wants us to grab hold of, okay? Okay. So the three things that we see that the Samaritan did, number one, simply, he had to decide to go close. He had to decide to draw near. In verse 33, it said, when the Samaritan, who was traveling, meaning if I'm traveling, do I have a destination? Come on, this is practical stuff. I'm not trying to give us a rah-rah message today, guys. I'm trying to give us a very practical thing because I think this is the answer to how we get involved to the things God has for us. How do we actually take our life that is filled with destinations and actually get involved with the very things that God wants to happen on a daily basis, not on yearly, monthly, mission trip experiences, daily basis. Well, the first thing, we see this in the example. We see the Samaritan decided, I have a destination. My destination is going here. But there has to be a conscious decision that says, I have to draw near. Meaning, it is impossible for me to step into the things when it comes to other people from a distance. Do you hear what I just said? And this is one of the greatest stumbling blocks that keeps us from going and stepping into these opportunities because for me, because if I'm on a destination, if I'm going this way and crew is the problem and crew is the struggle, there has to be a conscious decision for me to step off the path that I'm headed this way and make a conscious decision that I am now going against what I should be doing, where I'm supposed to be going and I'm making a conscious decision to draw near. It is impossible, it is impossible to walk in the ministry of reconciliation with the world around you unless we actually draw near to the world. We cannot send them links of service messages. We can't tell them to listen to a podcast. It is going to take us getting face-to-face with the problem and the real issue is is let's be honest guys is people are messy people are messy and you know how I know they're messy because I'm messy Meaning when I'm in a problem, my, when I, every time that I've been in a, in a whirlwind problem, my life is crazy. And when I have thankfully had people that have stepped out of their destination to step into my world, I look back on that and realize the mess they had to step into to draw near to me. I mean, don't we all realize that? How many of you can look back on your life and you were in a whirlwind of mess and somebody literally had to take the time and go, I'm going to draw near to you to walk you through this? Come on, don't raise your hand. How many of you have received that? Wow, and it worked? Wow, exactly. Exactly. These are practical things. I've got to draw near to the problem. I cannot just pass by and keep going to my destination. And here's the thing. We're not walking to sin. Our destination is not sin. I might be a priest of a house. I might have a job to do. I might even have a job that God's called me to do. I know I'm supposed to be at that job. I know I'm supposed to be at that work. I know I'm supposed to be doing this. But there are moments where I'm going to have to make the decision that the destination can never outweigh the opportunities along the way. Did you hear what I just said? We have to be careful that we are not going through life where the destinations that we are going begin to over and take more emphasis on the opportunities that are along the way, okay? So the first thing we see this, and I think it's in verse 33, is that he drew near. The second thing he did this is that he had pity on him. What does that mean? Well, that seems like a simple thing. Well, I have pity on it. Meaning there there, there's going to be, for you to actually be engaged with somebody else's life and see God do something, there has to be an emotional investment. Do you hear what I just said? And most of us just we barely have enough emotional well-being in our own mind to feel like we can emotionally invest in somebody else. And that's just the truth. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. You know what I've seen the most? You know what I've seen? I, I, I've seen this testimony in my life more so than I've not, that any time that I have invested in somebody else, even though I've got, maybe I, I've got things going on in my own life, I'm struggling in my own life, when I invest in other people, it's amazing how the things in my life seem to kind of disappear. The, the emphasis becomes like not as strong as it was because I'm now focused on somebody else. It's amazing how that works. That's not, that's not a worldly thing. That's a godly thing. Meaning that's a practical step, but there has to be. I cannot just draw near to the problem if crew is the problem. I can't just draw near to him and stay emotionally shut off to him and expect there to be something that's going to go down. There has to be pity. There has to be empathy. There has to be all of these things that I am connected with or I just won't care because if I'm not caring about this situation, then I might draw near. And here's the the real trick, man. If we are not emotionally invested in this, you know what emotion will take over when we draw near? Self-righteousness. Because I'll be honest with you, do you know how many times, and I wish, I wish this was not the case, There's not, how many times I've decided to draw near, and because I didn't have a, an emotional investment in the moment, the enemy comes in and props up self-righteousness, so now I draw near, and the only thing I brought to the table was, look at you, look at you down there, look at you struggling and bleeding, come on, clean yourself up, fix yourself, what's wrong with you? Look at me. You know, like, you think you're the first person to be robbed and beaten, left half dead on the side of the road? That happens to me every week. Come on, you see me complaining about it? Get up! What I'm saying is, is if we do not have an emotional response to the situation that we are walking into, I promise you, self-righteousness will kick in. Self-righteousness will kick in. And so part of that is him saying in the pattern here, and the, the reason Jesus doesn't waste words is he knows there has to be an emotional investment. Third thing that we're going to see in this, and guys, this is just leading to the pattern because there's an overriding pattern here that I need us to see. The third thing and the last thing is, is there's, there was an investment made. So we've got, I've got to decide to draw near I've got to decide, number one, I have to make a conscious decision that the opportunity along the way for my destination is important. In fact, it is as important as the destination I'm getting to, so I have to draw near to it. Now I have to be emotionally invested with it, and it's now there has to be an actionable thing that takes place, because I'll be honest with you. I've done this too, man. I've drawn near. Oh, man, I'm going to come close to you. I'm emotionally invested. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. Oh, man, that looks terrible. Oh, does that hurt? Man, I'm so sorry that hurts. Oh, really? Knocked you right on the head. Oh, and you're half naked. Oh, I can see everything. It's terrible, man. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, Oh, hold on for a second, I'll post this on Facebook. Click, okay, hold on, let me get, hold on, click, look at us, I'm, you know, because I, I want to make sure that everybody knows that, that, that I'm, I'm invested in this, right, so it's got to be like, oh, look at me and the half-naked guy, click, click, all right, like I want to make sure that I post that, right, so that gets out there. So now I've made a decision to get off my path and draw near to the problem. I'm emotionally invested, but if I don't do something now, well, I didn't really bring anything to the table. I just kind of sat and wallowed in their, their junk for a second and like, oh, that's terrible, I hate that. You know what, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. And I'm not minimizing prayer, but, but I'll be honest with you. you. You know what, when you deal with hungry people, when you deal with people that are hurting, if you want them to hear Jesus, sometimes you gotta fill their belly first. Sometimes you gotta get them up and take care of them and get them bandaged up before they'll ever hear or ever listen to you about Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, is there there are three simple things, guys. Listen, there are greater messages that I'm preaching on this than this, and there are more steak dinners in this passage that I'm giving you. But we got three pieces there. I got to draw near. I've got to be emotionally invested, and then I've got to act on it. But then, what is the overriding thing in this? What is the overriding pattern that Jesus is trying to get us to see? That if we want to be involved in those moments where we see God do something, we have a testimony. Not that we're doing things for a testimony, but we want to see God. We want to be used by God to help people because that's our call. That's what we're called to do. So what's the overriding pattern here? Well, the overriding pattern here is to get us there is there is going to have to be a decision made. There is going to have to be a decision made that the opportunities along the way are where we're going to find those moments. We keep thinking that the destination is where we're going to have those moments This is why we go from one church service to the next church service. This is why we go from one Sunday to the next Sunday, and we're hoping that God does something big on those Sundays, yet we've missed over, we've passed over the other six days in the middle, getting as if those don't count. It only matters when we show up to the house. But we see this in Jesus' life, and we're just going to run through this just real quick, because... There is something that I've realized because I've read the Gospels like so many times and that's not a bragging statement. I'm just, I love the Gospels. I love being there. I love seeing myself in there. I love dealing with how Jesus interacted with people. And you know what I figured out? You know what I figured out about Jesus' ministry? Do you realize that we know more about what he did along the way to places than what he did when he got there? You want me to prove that? Oh, I'm glad you asked me to. All right, well, let's go here real quick. No, I want you to see this. I want you to see that Jesus gives us this beautiful pattern, that we know more about the ministry of Jesus and, where, and the things that he did on his way to places than we even know about what he did when he got there. Now, we know the great messages. We know the great message of Matthew, right? That, that message that happened out upon a mountain, right? We know that one. We know that great message. But along the way, all of these stories, all of these interactions with people, all of them happened on the way to somewhere. Meaning there was a destination involved, but the story didn't come from the destination. His story that we preach about, that we still teach about, that we learn from, happened along the way. Let's look at this. I want you to see this. Are you still with me on this? All right, good. So in in Matthew chapter 8, I love this, in Matthew chapter 8, and these, these are just headings, so I just want you to see this, okay? Matthew chapter 8, in verse 5 and 7, we see this, when Jesus entered Capernaum, meaning he was going to Capernaum, meaning he, he is on his way, and guess what he was on his way to do? To share the gospel, to preach the message. We don't even hear about the message that he preaches in Capernaum right? If we had all the messages in one book, there, there wouldn't be enough books in the, in the libraries of the world to contain them. But what do we do know? We know that when Jesus entered on his way to go do something, a centurion came to him, asked him, Lord, help me. My servant lies at home paralyzed. And what did Jesus do? Healed him. So he's on his way somewhere, meaning there's a destination that Jesus is going to, and the destination is not bad, but something, Jesus goes, you know what? This is important. This is important for me to have this interaction because this is going to be a testimony that's going to go down through the ages. This is what they're going to write about. In fact, this is what I'm going to speak to the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? When Matthew writes this, make sure that he writes this down. Not so much about the message I preach in Capernaum, but the interaction that I had along the way to Capernaum. Are you following me on this? Uh, I'm glad. Okay, good. Oh, uh, that's one option. Okay, good. Uh, how about this? How about when Jesus is just wanting to go and hang out at somebody's house? Because there are times when the destination is, man, I just want to go and hang out with my friends. And is that a bad thing? I mean, depending on your friends. Right? I mean, that's just true, right? Depending on those group of but if you've got a group of friends, you're like, you know what? I just want to go and and have dinner with my friends and hang out at their house. That's the destination. That's what I want to do. There's nothing, there's nothing spiritually wrong with that. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 and 15. When Jesus came into Peter's house, right? He just shows up, wants to hang out at Peter's house. Something goes down at Peter's house. What was it? Oh, his mother-in-law was lying there sick, right? Not even his mom. Jesus has mercy on mother-in-laws, right? He said, I've got time for mother-in-laws, right? Which is real convicting in my heart. And I'm just still dealing with that. And it's good. I love you, Joan. I love you. God's working on me. He's working on me, Joni. But when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in the bed with fever and instead of just going, uh, I, man, I just came over here to hang out, maybe play a little wee, maybe, you know, just, just do whatever we're going to do over here. I don't really have time for this. There was an opportunity along the way of the destination that actually was more important than what he did in Peter's house that we even know about. He has this encounter with Jesus, Peter's mother-in-law and he heals her. Chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 8. I love this. Jesus is going to go to the other side of the lake. Meaning, you know, sometimes Jesus' idea was my destination is just to kind of get away. There are crowds around. It's time for me to go to the other side of a lake. So the destination is, man, I just need to get away sometimes. I just need to get away sometimes. When he arrived at the other side, two demon-possessed men come running from the tombs, and instead of Jesus looking at them and saying, "Guys, hey, man, I'm on like sabbatical." Um, I'm just kind of shutting it down for a little bit. Uh, get back with me. Uh, you know, you, here's a phone number. You can call my associates. They'll talk to you, right? No, he says this. He says the opportunity in this moment is greater than the destination, and I'm not going to miss this opportunity to do and to be a part of the things that God's going to use and maybe teach for generations to come. So these two demon-possessed men show up, and what does he do? He deals with them. He has an encounter with them. Even though he was just trying to get away from crowds, now not only is he in in the face of two demon-possessed men, now he's got to deal with them, and he chooses to, meaning he makes a conscious choice to come near, to have empathy, to have an emotional engagement, and also act on it. Matthew chapter 9, I love this. We see this again, that Jesus hanging out in, in people's ha- houses and people ha- Jesus just going to have dinner someplace. How many of you, listen to me, and I'm trying to make this practical for us, okay? How many of you have ever gone out to dinner and you're out to dinner with friends and, and literally you, you know, you're, you, you have a waiter or a waitress that's, that, that's interacting with you and you can just tell she's having or he's having a bad night. Just having a bad night, Right? Honestly, you've probably shown up on a Sunday and that same waiter or waitress has has had to deal with a church crowd who is one of the worst crowds that I've talked to waiter and waitresses and that is the saddest testimony I have ever heard from a waiter or waitress. But I've heard it multiple times, sadly enough. But they're dealing, maybe they've had to deal with people that have just been mean. And you're there just sitting with friends. And maybe you haven't been, you haven't had time with these people. Maybe maybe they've just come in out of town and you want to interact with them. And you want to just focus here. And it's good Christian time and it's iron sharpening iron. But there's this opportunity that just keeps coming to your table. If we want to be a part of the things that God has for us, maybe, just maybe we're going to have to make a decision to go, you know what? I'm not going to miss this opportunity of this young lady or this young man, and I'm going to ask them how they're doing. I'm just going to, I'm going to engage. I'm going to draw near. I'm not going to keep them at a distance from order to bill to refill and just keep their problems at a distance. I know this could get messy. I know if I ask this question, I might just have to listen to them to, to just roll off everything, what they've been through, and it might even not be pretty, and it might not even be in the language you're wanting to hear because you're with church friends, right? You might, And it's like, I don't even want to do it. There is going to have to be a moment where you say, this is worth it, for me to see God being a part of these opportunities. Giving them that moment. Hey, man, I can just tell. Are you having a bad night? Let's talk. Hey, sit down. Have you ever asked your waiter and waitress to just sit down at your table for a moment? and try it. Try it. See what happens. Sometimes they just need a three-minute break to be around people that are genuinely listening to them, loving on them. Asking a man, hey, what can I pray for you about? You might not have time to, to, to have a whole church service and lights being dim and a B3 in the background playing and you know what I mean, and a choir sing. You might not have time for all that, but you might have a time for a moment where you get to draw near to somebody that's been beaten and left on the side of the road and, and draw near, emotionally engaged, and then act on it. Man, I just, I'm just gonna give you some words. Man, I know you're having a rough day, but just, just know this. Know that God loves you. Know that God ain't mad at you. No, no, and I'm just going to pray for you. And, and we don't even have to make this awkward. I, if you want to feel comfortable with me praying for you now, but just know I'm praying for you. Know that there's somebody that's praying for you. And not only that, and then I'm going to actionably. I'm going to tip them like crazy. Well, Pastor Chris, it's not about the tip. Oh, really? 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 Give them a dollar and see if your words just fell on the ground. Seriously, give them a dollar and see if your words just fell on the ground. No, 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 I'm going to bless you financially, not only that, to show you that I'm not just engaged with my words, but I, I, I'm, I'm, it's not about the money. I just want to show you, you matter. You matter. I'm doing this. See, we see this over and over. And guys, listen to me. I have a laundry list of verses that we could go through of Jesus as He went, as He was going, where He was going, as He went to the other side, as He went to this person's house, as He was going to this destination and that as He was going to your job, as He was going to school, as He was going to the bank, as He was going to the ministry, as He was going to New Balance, as He was going to the patient's room, wherever He was going, as he was going, this opportunity presents itself along the way. And he says, follow me on this. And, and you know how I know it's important? Because that's what's written in here. The things I teach on almost every Sunday are about the opportunities he had, not the destinations he went. Are you following me on this? This is the overriding pattern. So how do we do this? Guys, I want us to, have, I want us to be a church church that has way more testimonies about the days in between church than what we're waiting for when it shows up. I want Sundays to be about a day when this church gathers together. And yes, you come into this house, you get what you need. You, you pray, you go before God you, you receive from him, you skin in his presence and I'm praying to God that that is not your only time but I'm praying that you can come in this house and receive but this is also a place of rejoicing of storytelling, of telling man, I, there was this thing that happened I was just going along and there was this barista and I asked her to make me a mocha joke, you know, flippity doodah whatever, and I gave her $17 and she was having a bad day and I just asked her what's going on? You having a rough day? And then all of a sudden the floodgates open and I was like, whoa, this is going to be messy. But I made a decision to just engage. And now I've got her number and and this isn't a dating app. I'm saying this from woman to woman. But eh, now I'm I'm texting her and now I'm letting her know that I'm here for her. And yeah, it's taking up some of my time. But what is our time on this earth supposed to be filled with? If it's not filled with these things, what are we filling it with? We have so prioritized the destinations in our life and so minimized the opportunities along the way. And I think this is the reason why we miss out. We miss out on being a part of those moments. I I think sometimes we kind of stumble into those moments, but I believe that we can actually make a choice to be a part of them. Meaning because there is roughly a time in my life where I am not around hurting people. You just, I could walk outside. I could walk down to Bobby's place right now. And that's not even a judgment against those that are at Bobby's place. You know how I know I'll be around hurting people? Because there are humans there. And so there are, it's not, oh God. Now, I, I i am a believer in this. Father, this is that awareness. This is that mature believer prayer. Father, let me be aware of my surroundings. Holy Spirit, speak to me. I love it. I think it's in Isaiah where it talks about where God speaks to says, There's always a voice in your head, and, and you're, and you're going to hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way to go. Like, Holy Spirit, I want to hear that voice. I want to know, man, this is the way to go. I want to I, I make sure I don't miss any of these opportunities because I want to see your hand in my life. I want to be a part of that, and I don't want to miss them. I don't want to just look back at my life and just say, man, I did all of my destinations. I went to work on time. I was with my family on time. I did all these things, and I did everything, but I missed every opportunity along the way. Man, I don't want that to be. I was at church every Sunday, and that's good, but I want us to be a house that has stories filled during the week. This is how we do it. I think there's a practical truth here and there's a practical pattern. And as we're taking communion today, this is one of those things that I want us to go before God and say, Father, help me to be a follower of this pattern. So let's do this. Let's pray and then we'll take communion. Father, I thank you so much. Father, I thank you for this pattern. Father, I thank you for this truth. I thank you that you you did. You invited us to be a part of this. You invited us to be a part of your plan, and so, Father, we desire to be a part of that, and we are thankful for a practical pattern that we can walk in, that we don't have to sit back and, and beg and look for signs in the clouds. We can just walk this out. We can just draw near. We can be emotionally invested, and we can act on it. Father, mature us up in this area. Father, even for my own life, Father, I repent of the times that I've missed it and I feel like I know I've missed more than I've I've, I've been a part of and, and help me with that. But Father, as we take communion today, and let's go ahead and get the communion elements. As we take communion today, as we take and, and the body broken and the, and, the, and the blood shed, Father, we know what this means for us personally and we're thankful for that. We are... we do not dismiss that. We do not do this flippantly. We know and we are thankful for what this means to our life and the covenant that this represents from you to us and us to you. But also as we do this in remembrance of you and your son, Father, help us to follow this pattern. So let's go ahead and take the bread and the juice. Thank you, Father. Now, I'd ask you to do this. Can we all just stand to our feet, please? I want to just pray for us as a house. My prayer for us is that by next week, and can I ask you to do me a favor? Can I ask you that I love to hear your stories, Look, l- everybody look at me. I love to hear your stories. I love to hear your testimonies. Like, genuinely, I do. They are encouraging to me, personally. But I'm asking you as your pastor to share those with other people, meaning share those stories of the week. When you walk in this house, find somebody and just go, hey, man, I just want to share with you what went on this week. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is because iron does sharpen iron. Iron. And, and you sharing it with me is great, but it's the maturity of the house needs testimonies being shared from the front row to the back row, from the left section to the right section, and us all walking in that way. Is that fair? Okay, so let's do this. Let's raise our hands. Let's just lift our hands. I want to just pray for, pray for us. Father God, I just thank you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you are maturing us up. Father, I thank you that you are not leaving us as babies left in the wind, I'm so thankful for that. Father, I thank you that even through discipline, even through correction and conviction, you are, just, you are maturing us up. And Father, I pray that we are not pushing back against that or being self-righteous and pushing back against that. Amen. Father, I pray that we receive it, we act on it, and we glorify you. Let that be the testimony of this house. Father, I pray for the opportunities that are already going to be there for us, for me included, that we would have our ears tuned to your Holy Spirit and we would know this is the way. And we'd walk in it. We'd draw near. We'd get invested. We'd act on it and we'd see your hand. Let it be so. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can text Freedom Prayer to 9400 and send us your prayer request. And don't forget to find us on social media at Freedom Church STL. You can also find more info on our website at freedomchurchstl.com.